Dr. Lori Marbus podcast. Today I'm honored to have Dr. Robert Osfeld um, from the Montefiore Einstein Cardiac Wellness Program and Hospital. How are you doing today, Dr. Osfeld? Doing great. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here with you. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm truly humbled that you agreed to allow me to interview and taking time out of your busy day. I certainly appreciate it. So I'd like to get started just, you know, trying to get so we can get to know you. How did you even choose medicine in the first place? Tell us your, your story. Well, um, thank you. Uh, my story, a little bit of a sad one, but inspirational one, at least for me at the same time. Um, so when I was a kid, uh, I had two younger brothers who died from an incurable disease. And um, when I was seven, my brother Daniel died. Um, he was a little over three, and I remember his funeral. And, and uh, my brother Michael lived, uh, who was born after Daniel, lived for uh, one day. And I don't remember him. Um, and now I have another brother who is alive and well with three kids and doing great. Um, so it was really uh, that, uh, I guess, those events that led me to kind of want to be in a position to help people and be interested in health, and that really got me on the path. And by the time I had gone to college, I was, you know, I, I started pre-med, and there were other um, topics and things that I was interested in, but I never really strayed from the, the pre-med path, and that's how I got going, and one thing led to another, and here I am. Wow, that's an amazing story. My sister was ill as well, and that's when I was 10. She was uh, four with this, um, high fevers and all sorts of crazy stuff, but she had surgery to affect a defect that she had in uh, part of her kidney area, the ureters, and um, that changed it for me. I was like, wow, she got better, I, so I understand. I'm sorry you lost your family. That's tough, though. Um, so as far as, you know, so you went to college and you went to college in Yale, is that correct? No, no. Uh, I went, well, I went to med, med school at Yale and I went to college at the University of Pennsylvania in Philly. Nice. Okay. And then you went off to Yale. Yep. Great. And was that, did you go straight out of college or did you take any time off? Yeah, I went straight through. Okay. Um, and I don't know, there, a bunch of my colleagues and friends took some time off or some either had even had different careers and you know, I think that's a really awesome path and you know I think when you're when you head back to medical school after having done that sometimes you go in with even more of a focus and passion but um, I decided to go straight through and so right after college I, I went off to, to medical school. Cool, very cool. And how was college and medical school? Did you feel like you were well prepared for any type of preventive medic, you know, medicine as far as nutrition counseling or anything like that. Um, basically, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, college and medical school were <clears throat> great and hard and fun and all all those sorts of things and and more. Um, and uh, I guess pre med is pretty common where I went to college, so there were a lot of of my classmates that we could commiserate and you know, sit in class together and study for organic chemistry tests and stuff like that. Um, so that was, that made it, that made it nice. The dreaded um, organic chemistry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that this brings back memories for you. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was nice. And actually I took an elective class in nutrition in college and I didn't have any real, I didn't have any idea at the time that I'd sort of be in the position where I am now. I just thought it would be interesting, and some of my friends were taking it, so it just seemed like a win-win. Um, and so I had a little bit of background in college, but it was more like, you know, what does vitamin A do? Um, it wasn't really like, let's look at dietary patterns and, and health. Um, and then in medical school, <clears throat> like, unfortunately, many, many medical schools, the nutrition exposure was extremely limited. Um, and it would often be woven into biochemistry classes like, you know, what is scurvy, you know, the vitamin C deficiency, you know, very interesting things biochemically and, and important to know about, but stuff we really kind of don't see now, at least here, uh, much at all in the U.S. 
but um, uh, so that you know, I think that that there are ways that, that that could be supplemented. And things are changing now, as, as I'm sure you know, in different medical schools across the U.S. and as a society as a whole. But still, it seems like medical education, inter nutrition education in medical school, and residency and fellowships is still lagging very far behind. So I, when I came out of medical school, I had very limited background in nutrition. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a, a definite thing that's hopefully changing. There's a, a very neat program at Tulane in medical school there. Have, have you, are you aware of the program that they have there? They're actually having first and second year students rotate through a, learning how to cook. It's like a kitchen. Yeah, um, I am, and it's just terrific what they're doing, and I've heard that it's spreading a bit to other medical schools in the South, and I could really use a class like that. <laughs> um, and Loma Linda, you know, as you know, the medical school in California, they're really far advanced in terms of teaching their students about nutrition and, um, and other schools as well now, and I have the opportunity to speak to the entire second-year medical school class at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, uh, and I give them a talk on plant-based nutrition, which has been, like, I guess, for the last three, four years. So, I mean, that's been really, really great. And so sometimes when I see them in the hall, like a year or two later when they're on the wards, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're Dr. Kale. So, Dr. Kale. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's cool. But, yeah, so things are changing, and um, uh, it's a program down at Tulane sounds just terrific. Yeah, it's a, a Dr. Timothy Harlan. He's actually known as Dr. Gourmet. I was curious, so when you teach and speak to these second-year medical students, what type of questions do you get, or do they seem interested, or do they understand literally the information you give them can be, like, life-changing for people? It's kind of uh, all, of the, all of the above. The, the <clears throat> typical questions uh, that I'll get uh, are, you know, where do you get your protein, um, which really speaks to how we have not, equip them with the knowledge base that they need in regard to nutrition. Um, I'll get questions about practical application of healthier lifestyles, which is really <clears throat> very important and where the rubber meets the road. And I mean, we, uh, our medical school and hospital system is based in the Bronx in New York City, which is typically one of, if not the least healthy inner city county in the U.S. And almost always ranked last in terms of counties of health in New York State. And there's a, a large indigent patient population as well. Kind of about 85%, I think, of the people who live in the Bronx who come to Montefiore receive some kind of public assistance. So, um, you know, and, and that's fraught with a variety of challenges in regard to cost and access to food and facing food deserts. So for us, practical... Uh, application or implementation of these kinds of healthier initiatives uh, is a very real and important issue. And Montefiore takes that very seriously and does a lot with the local community to provide access to uh, healthier foods that are at a reasonable cost. And we work very closely with our patients to strategize about that as well. And as, as you know um, better than I, <clears throat> you could eat whole food plant-based on a very inexpensively. I mean, if you get a big sack of brown rice, frozen vegetables, and some sauce, you know, it doesn't have to be organic. That can be very uh, cost-effective. So there are ways to work around it, but the questions about the practical implementation of it uh, is very important. And for the most part, the students are <clears throat> extremely uh, interested in the topic. Um, and I'll typically have a line of 15 students uh, after giving the talk who are interested in getting involved or, or learning more, things like that. That's wonderful. That's actually very encouraging that people actually, you know, our future doctors are showing such an interest, especially in the practical application, because I think that's a big part, at least for me, when I switched over to a plant-based diet almost five years ago and started using this in my clinic, I couldn't find those resources as a physician to implement in my normal day-to-day -day workings as a family practice doc. So I think that's wonderful that you're providing that education. It's very encouraging. So I had one other question. What about cardiology? How did you or decide on cardiology as a specialty? Was that always an interest, or did that something come later? Um, it was always an interest. In medical school, I was <clears throat> um, drawn to 
the physical physical exam, the, the cardiac physical exam, and in anatomy class, I for just some reason was more interested in cardiac and cardiovascular anatomy. Um, and as you you know, like you have along the along medical training, you have you know these four or eight week rotations that are kind of random. You're at hospital X, Y, or Z, and I. Um, so I had some great mentors, really just by chance. You know, I got assigned to Hospital X, and Dr. Y was on service that month, who were cardiologists and great teachers and mentors, and that also spurred my interest along. And then I remember during residency, I was deciding between endocrinology, whether to go into endocrinology in a study of hormones, um, diabetes, et cetera, or cardiology. Um, and, you know, one of the, it sort of seems funny now, but, you know, we often, if you think of those things as, as we often think of those things medically as very different fields, endocrinology, cardiology, and we have all these silos. Like, I live in the pulmonary or lung silo, I live in the pediatric silo, I live in the cardiology silo, and we talk to each other, we read each other, our literature, but the silos are, are not often connected. And, of course, they're intimately connected. <laughs> Um, but we, it's just the structure of medicine uh, doesn't um, embrace that as much as it could. And, of course, diabetes impacts endocrinology, impacts cardiology. And when we see, and as your listeners know, when you eat a plant-based diet, yeah, it's good for your heart, but it's good for you for dozens and dozens of other reasons, uh, you know, embrace the spreading from silo to silo, whether it's endocrinology or oncology or muscle uh, athletic performance. Um, inflammatory diseases and on and on. So <clears throat> I was thinking about endocrinology silo and cardiology silo, and I was on the endocrinology service and I went to go see a consult. And so I'm going into the patient's room, and then they flip into atrial fibrillation, which is an abnormal heart rhythm, just when I'm standing there in the room. And, you know, there's nobody else around, so I needed to take care of it. And so I did, and I realized that I enjoy taking care of the atrial fibrillation, the cardiac issue, more than I had enjoyed the, the endocrinologic aspects of the case. And mind you, I like both a lot, but I just found that more appealing. And so that sort of was uh, the moment when I'm like, okay, I guess cardiology for me. And uh, so I applied in, in cardiology. And little did I know that later on the work that I would be doing would, of course, have you know, a lot of overlap with endocrinology in regard to obesity, diabetes, et cetera. Right. So it's funny how those things happen. People consider them coincidences, but I don't, I don't feel there are any coincidences. So, oh, okay. I, you know, obviously I feel like, you know, that AFib and they were calling you to where you needed to go and here you are um, still affecting both realms. It's absolutely, as a family medicine doc, we see all sorts of issues. So we understand how it all ties together so well. Um, so thank you again for your work here. It is so exciting. So tell me a little bit more about how you found the importance of nutrition. Like how did you stumble upon this? Was it a personal journey, a patient? How did that happen for you? Well, <clears throat> I've always been interested in prevention. And so, you know, when I did my cardiology fellowship, I got a master's in, in epidemiology where you can do, that, that helps give you some of the tools to do uh, research or investigations in that area or public health initiatives in that area. Um, and I did a, a year of preventive research and, and I got the chance to work with really incredible people along the way. But, you know, I, I still had limited exposure to primordial prevention, if you will, or truly nutrition. Um, it was more risk prediction models, um, other kind of lifestyle measures, or test various tests that might be able to help with earlier detection, but not necessarily kind of early, early prevention. And so when I finished my fellowship, I kind of knew that a Mediterranean-style diet was good. I couldn't really quite define it, but I, I knew that it was at least better than the Western diet. And so I started to work here at Montefiore doing all the things that I was trained to do, guideline-based medications, procedures, and maybe Mediterranean-style diet, and people got, like, a little bit better, but not, like, a heck of a lot better. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I was uh, I was getting a little disillusioned, 
and because um, I didn't go into medicine to you know help people get like a little bit better. I wanted real transformational change. And then I, this one Saturday morning, I was on service or on call, and I'm rounding in the hospital for our our cardiology team, and and I'm sitting there at the nurses station writing a note, and I'm thinking, you know, like seems like the only people in cardiology that are really saving lives are the interventional cardiologists, the people who put in stents. And, uh, you know, like if someone comes in with a big, big heart attack at 3 in the morning and they're putting in a stent to save their life, and that's very, very important. And if you're having a, a big heart attack like that right away, you want a stent. But, um, and, and so, but, you know, a lot of these heart attacks can be prevented in the first place and never needed to happen. And so it was right around then that I'm like, well, you know, I think I need to think of a different path because I really want people to get a heck of a lot better. And right around then, I was introduced to the book, The China Study, probably like a month or two later, you know, which is, of course, the great book about the impact of plant-based nutrition. And it's incredibly evidence-driven. I, I read it, was very impressed, learned more about the area. And then one thing led to another and started our cardiac wellness program here at Montefiore with the goal of preventing or reversing disease with a plant-based diet. And it's totally rejuvenated me as a uh, physician. And, you know, I've just never seen more incredible patient turnarounds and uh, patients becoming healthier than when they embrace a plant-based diet. So the cardiac wellness program actually was born out of you reading the China study? Yeah. Um, there, there was, you know, like anything, there's the devils in the details, but yeah, I mean, that got me going. And I used to run cardiology grand rounds here at Montefiore for many years. And after I read that book, I started to invite people to speak in this space. And we're really honored to have Dr. Esselstyn come and Dr. Campbell, Dr. Ornish, Dr. Willett. Um, and I had sort of like two missions with that. One was to learn more about it myself, but the other was to drill it into the faculty here at Montefiore to expose them to stuff that we're not necessarily exposed to as much as I think we should be. So that was terrific, and it really kind of started the conversation here much more broadly at Montefiore, um, you know, with that with that kind of educational exposure for the faculty. So that that was great, and Dr. Esselstyn was just incredibly warm and giving, and he invited me to his home in Cleveland, and I stayed over there and went to his wellness session uh, at the Cleveland Clinic, and I modeled ours after his and after his work. So the China study really got it on my radar, um, and then, uh, you know, Dr. Esselstyn uh, gave me the blueprint uh, with which to be able to start to make it happen, and then we adapted it to, you know, our, our needs in our system here, and uh, we've been running uh, with it ever since. I think our program has been around for about four and a half years. Well, that's wonderful. So, you know, I also went and spent time with Dr. Esselstyn in Cleveland. I think he invites all of his young possible followers <laughs> to come and spend time with him. And he is by far one of the warmest, kindest people you'll ever meet. I adore him. So, Tell us what would a patient expect if they were walking through your program? So they call and say, you know, I really need help. Can you help me? What what happens then? Sure. Um, I'll take one step back before that. And patients typically come to me in one of two buckets, if you will. Bucket number one is someone who is interested in our wellness program. They've somehow heard about it or someone referred them to it. So they come a little primed at the pump already. So that's bucket number one. And bucket number two is someone who just happens to be plugged into the Montefiore system, which is a really big system. They own something like, or own or are very tightly affiliated with like, I don't know, 12 hospitals spanning multiple portions of, of New York State. And the whole system employs about 40,000 people. So it's quite huge. So someone may just, who's somehow plugged into our system medically, may need to see a cardiologist and then somehow they'll just wind up in my office. So it's either there's coming for a specific cardiac issue, chest pain, palpitations, whatever that may be, or there's somehow uh, they've heard about our wellness program. So those are the two general buckets that, I, that I'll see people from. And 
I'll do the same thing with both of them. I'll do a typical history physical exam, the stuff that you do, you know, all day um, uh, with, with patients, you know, that all docs are doing. I'll run through their medical problems, their medications, and then much like like you do, I will weave plant-based nutrition into basically every visit, and I will. Um, talk about how, what issues they have, you know, how we desperately need to protect them and make them healthier, um, talk about how plant-based nutrition is really the cornerstone of their care. Of course, you know, sometimes supplemented with testing or medications or procedures, those things can be important too. Um, but how the cornerstone of, of their health and becoming healthier is, is uh, plant-based nutrition and you know, I'll look for various hooks that may help a person become more motivated, like whether they, you know, want to walk their, see their kid graduate or, you know, going to a high school union, want to, you know, have their skin complexion better, look, you know, lose some weight or whatever it may be for that particular person, try to find a personal hook. And we'll go into a good bit of detail about exactly how I want them to eat. We'll put up some measurables, like, you know, let's say we'll track your weight for the next six months and I'll see them on the, uh, we'll do weight check follow-ups pretty regularly. And then when they leave, I will give them a number of handouts, and one of them has very a very, very specific eating plan um, so that they can leave armed with a lot of information. So, But, you know, we only have – I get 40 minutes for a new patient. So you have to go through all of the, the regular medical stuff, and then, of course, they have the nutrition things on top of that. So it's not enough time to get into – everything in as much detail as I'd like. But we certainly can set the stage and our handouts are very helpful. But on top of that, uh, I will uh, do uh, both outsource some of the education and then supplement it. In regard to outsourcing, I encourage every patient to watch uh, the documentary film Forks Over Knives. And I encourage them to watch it with a family member. Unfortunately, it comes with Spanish subtitles. A lot of our patients here are Spanish speaking. Um, so that's really wonderful and that's helpful because it supplements your interaction in the clinic. And we also, modeled after Dr. Esselstyn's, have a, a four-hour session on periodic Saturday mornings where um, we, the nutritionist and I, uh, an RD and I, dive into, uh, her name is Lauren Graff, and we dive into the hows and whys of eating this way. And we also serve a plant-based lunch, which is like, really delicious. And uh, so that is very helpful for us as well to be able to educate people um, in a much more kind of thorough and leisurely way. And one thing I'm, I'm proud of about our Saturday morning sessions is uh, we do not charge patients uh, for those sessions. And, you know, given that there's a, a lot of, there are some fiscal hurdles for patients here in this area, even if we charge, say, $5 for the, for the whole session, that might be too much of a rate-limiting step for some people here to be able to partake. So um, I don't charge patients for it. I fund it all through uh, donations. And I, I think that that's helped people come who would not otherwise be able uh, to come to one of these sessions. And then after that, we will uh, follow up with them over time. That's fabulous. So you create the follow-up depending on just their individual circumstances and needs? Yeah, it is somewhat individualized and, you know, depends on, you know, some patients have fairly active cardiac issues and, you know, that will also impact our window of, of follow-up. But what I typically like to do for someone who is naive, if you will, to plant-based nutrition, go through it in clinic, um, and then I like to have monthly weight checks where they can come in and we'll just check their weight. And if they can't, they can call in. It's a very, very quick visit. Sometimes I'm not even here in the office, but the, the nurses can do it. And it's really meant to be something that they're accountable to. Um, so it's like a behavior modification kind of thing. Wonderful. And so we'll do that. And I'll try to do that monthly up to their first follow-up visit, which I'll have typically within the first, say, three to five months. Um, of having originally seen them, and that time gap will also hopefully be supplemented by both the Saturday morning session 
where we encourage them to bring a friend or family member to help them along the way, and having seen the documentary film Forks Over Knives. And of note, there's a new documentary that you're in, Eating You Alive. Yes, which I'm is that now. Which is wonderful. Um, I encourage people, that should be out in regular theaters, I believe, in January. So that's very exciting. But they're going to be in New York and in Los Angeles, I think, for the initial big release. So I'm sure you'll probably be going to that, maybe? Yeah, yes. Uh, I will. I don't actually have the specifics of the dates and times down yet. But if, if I'm around, absolutely. It was so, I was so honored and excited to be a part of it. And to be honest, I haven't seen it yet. Oh. Uh, so I'm, uh, you know, like eager and also nervous in the way that you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be in this movie. And like, I hope <laughs> I didn't sound too foolish. So you sounded I'm wonderful. <laughs> well, you're generous. But so I'm excited and nervous at the same time to uh to see it and you know how it is like you work for like these kinds of things like if it's for like a news interview or a, a documentary film or something you film and film for like two hours and then like 17 seconds of that <laughs> is somehow in there so you never really know what it's going to happen what so. part they got <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so now you this so this you were describing your outpatient program and i know you have done some really neat stuff with your inpatient program. Can you share with us what you've done there and any challenges you might have had in implementing that? Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, that, that's been a relatively new initiative for us, and I'm just so excited about it. And it's sort of stemmed. So we now offer plant-based meals for inpatients. And I'll, I'll expand that's on that. That's so like, oh, Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And we, you know, I be on rounds. So for eight weeks a year, I round in the hospital. And for us, what that means is uh, in the morning, I'll have patients who are specifically on my service. So like if you get admitted to the hospital or someone gets admitted to the hospital, you know, on the wristband, they have a certain doctor they're assigned to, who kind of oversees the entire care. So during these eight weeks a year, in the morning, we will round on patients specifically assigned to us in the afternoon we will round with the cardiology fellow, residents, medical students on our consult service. Like, for example, say someone is assigned to the surgery service and the surgery service has a cardiology question, they'll call the cardiology consult service. So, and then, you know, just go keep going back and forth between those two things. So, when I'm in the hospital, I'll tell people, you know, this is how I want you to eat and it's plant-based nutrition. But then, of course, the person serving the food will show up 18 seconds later and, you know, it's exactly the opposite of what, what I'm bacon and eggs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, and so I'm like, well, this is kind of frustrating. And so I'm like, I kind of need some reinforcements here. So with that was born the idea of an inpatient initiative. And I had the opportunity to work with nutrition and food services here. And we all got together and developed a menu for inpatients uh, that's plant-based. And so now we have a week's worth of meals. I guess it's 21 meals. Um, and you can order it for inpatients. Now, you don't have to. I think that's one of the, the strengths of it because if, you know, if you tell someone they have to do something, like they just generally don't particularly like that. So, you know, it's, it's an option. You don't have to do it, but it's available. And, but I wanted to supplement that with some education. So that comes with a, a handout. And also, we're very excited that um, we're able to play uh, the, the film, the, the documentary film Forks Over Knives, now plays on continuous loop on the inpatient TVs. So if you go to one of the channels, Forks Over Knives is on playing, and they were extremely generous in uh, le letting us be able to, to do that. And so I go into a patient's room now, I tell them how I want them to eat, I order them the plant-based meal, and I ask them to watch Forks Over Knives. And now that film is playing in front of about 2,300 patient beds throughout the Montefiore system, and the meals are now available to about also 2,300 beds throughout the Montefiore system. We're still technically in our pilot phase of it, mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to I'll be able to speak more publicly about it, and we'll branch out of the pilot phase very soon. So, wow. it's uh, so this has been just a great addition for us, and uh, you know it reinforces our initiatives with 
the residents, the fellows, the medical students all rotating and rounding uh, through Montefiore. And how has that been received by colleagues and coworkers? It's been really good. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not mandated, and people have generally really liked it. Um, you know, they, uh, you know, it's a big system, so not everybody's on the same page. Uh, but it's been wonderful to watch the shift in our system to further and further embracing plant-based nutrition. I mean, I did a, a small research project with the cardiothoracic surgeons, you know, people who you might not think would necessarily be as interested in it. We get referrals from all sorts of different kinds of uh, physicians, internal medicine, physicians, endocrinologists, et cetera, to our program. So I think um, they, it's been great. Honestly, and, and I, I, I still see shifts uh, uh, continuing. That is amazing and wonderful in so many areas. Has there been any of your colleagues or coworkers that have actually switched themselves to a plant-based diet? Yeah, definitely. Um, particularly the, the fellows is where I'll, I'll see it most overtly. So um, one thing I'll do is, so I, I help to coordinate our cardiology fellowship program. And before the fellows start, so we have like, I think now it's, I think 11 fellows a year, general cardiology fellows a year. That's a, that for cardiology fellowship standards, that's a big cardiology fellowship program. But before they meet me, they don't know that they do not have to be scared of me. So they, so they don't know that. So what I do is I leverage that and I send them all a very sternly worded email, you know, so at orientation, we will review this article, and I attach one of Esselstyn's editorials about plant-based nutrition, a very short and entertaining one. So they usually all read it, and uh, so that gets the ball rolling. Um, we, uh, and we get brilliant. to talk about it and review it in many venues. So, and some of them, you know, push back. Uh, but for one example that comes to mind is this one guy, he was from South America where, of course, eating meat, is I don't, I, it might be a religion I'm not sure but I'm pretty sure it is uh, especially in Brazil <laughs> and so uh, and, and he pushed back and pushed back and would kind of laugh about it and then we have a lot of hospitals in our system so sometimes fellows will go to other hospitals and you might not see them for three months because they've been rotating somewhere else and so well this guy he came back like 25 pounds lighter like I had to do a double take and he's like yeah I went plant based and it's great <laughs> so um, yeah, people definitely have made, you know, totally dove in and made partial changes, and uh, so it's cool. And, and, you know, we have this, the fellows have all kinds of educational conferences. There's an EKG conference, and, you know, the fellows get pizza oh. at EKG conference. I can't change everything, but what I did do was I made sure that one of the pizzas is at least vegan. Now, of course, it's not whole food, plant-based, no oil, uh, but it's vegan. And the reason I did that is I just wanted to be coming at them all the time. <laughs> right. Every any, any chance we get to keep the plant-based message uh, in their face, I'm, I'm happy, happy to do. <laughs> you sound a very similar pattern of uh, things that I do as well. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. People hide their lunches if they're eating badly. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so now... As far as the future of your program, tell us, you know, there were some, uh, a conference that you're planning, something going on next year? Oh, yeah, thank you. There, there's just so many, there's so many incredible things afoot. Um, and so we are going to be starting a preventive cardiology conference here at Montefiore with a, a nutrition and lifestyle focus, and, you know, uh, which, which I'll be spearheading so it'll have a, you know, a plant-based focus. And um, so I'm very excited about that. We, uh, our, um, our, our, our very first conference will be on October 27th, 2017, Friday, October 27th, 2017, here at Montefiore in the Bronx. And we're going to, I want to cast a really wide net. It'll, of course, be a continuing medical education conference. And I want tons of medical practitioners, but also the lay public to come as well, because of, of course we want to help spread the word as much as possible. We're, we're very, very lucky 
mean, the, we have commitments now from a number of wonderful doctors, uh, Dr. Barnard, Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Kim Williams, the past president of the American College of Cardiology, and Dr. Paul Richter, a real luminary researcher in just so many ways, um, including uh, inflammation, who have, uh, who have agreed to speak. Um, and so I'm just so excited about it. And, um, and, and I don't, to my knowledge, I, I don't know of another academic, basically plant-based conference that occurs within, inside an academic medical center. Um, so there may be, and my apologies if I just don't know, but uh, so I'm particularly also excited about the, uh, the novelty of that as well. No, I, I don't know of any myself, and I try to stay abreast of those. So definitely coming from the academic medical side is very encouraging. My daughter started medical school next summer, or, yeah, she'll start in July, and my goal is to infiltrate <laughs> her medical <laughs> school. And That's so, we'll see. yeah, it is basically infiltration in West Texas, too. It's going to be, it'll be entertaining. So, um, oh, where is she off to medical school? Texas Tech. Yeah, Texas oh, that's Tech great. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I'm very excited, very proud of her. Um, my third one, he's 18, so I have 22, 20, and 18, and he also wants to go into medicine, but he's full on board. Um, so two of my three kids and my husband are all on board, and just one I'm still working on, but hopefully, God willing, she will <laughs> come on board. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Um, so now I, I do have a question as far as, you know, you have all these initiatives going on, and you have your inpatient, outpatient, do you see any other components of the cardiac wellness program that you would like to see implemented or future of the program? Oh, yeah. I mean, I want this to grow as much as possible. My goal is to be able to uh, hopefully touch and impact as many lives as possible, whether that be from a clinical or educational or policy standpoint. And We've had the chance to work with various other organizations, such as uh, the American College of Cardiology and the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, uh, to collaborate on various related projects, um, which is which has been a real incredible honor. And for our program, uh, I there's a variety of ways uh, that I want it to grow. I'd like to hire a number of people to work with me. Right now, it's basically just me. Um, and I think that would really strengthen our, our follow-up in a variety of our initiatives. Um, and I'm working on, you know, fundraising for that. A lot of it is, um, you know, donation-based. So we're, we're working on that. And we've made some incredible strides and had some people be real incredible supporters of, of our program. And, you know, um, our patients here in the Bronx are just, they're so grateful. I mean, they'll have, they'll, you know, be crying tears of joy in our office. They feel so much better, but the resources here are limited. Um, so it, it sometimes is a bit of a of, of a challenge for us to to raise the kinds of funds that we would need to be able to hire, you know, a full time RD nurse practitioner, things like that. That would help us really grow and expand the program. But I work very closely with our development office, and we're making a lot of efforts uh, along that path so that we can just become a stronger program to help more people. Where would someone go if they'd like to make donations? Oh, well, thank you. Um, there's a website um, that's <laughs> uh, – I'm laughing because it's, like, cumbersome. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, www.montefiore.org forward slash cardiac wellness program. Okay. So um, I'll make sure and put that in the links below when they read about the podcast that they can click on that for you. Oh, thank you. I mean, all donations are tax deductible. And on the website, there's a little, in very teeny tiny blueprint somewhere, says either uh, support or donate to the program. And that'll take you to a page where you can do that. Perfect. And I'll make sure and mention that in the introduction as well. As far as any, if you could change one thing in medicine, like it could be across the board, what would that be in, in America? How would How would you change your regular standard care of medicine? Um, so if I could change one thing in, med in medicine, I guess the way I think about this is how could we have the biggest impact on helping doctors both learn about 
and patients embrace plant-based nutrition. Um, because I'm sure, as your listeners know, it's just tremendously helpful for them, the planet, et cetera. I mean, no planet, no health. So, And um, so what I would do is I think I would change, if I had the power, change reimbursement um, mm-hmm. and make these kinds of nutritional interventions um, highly reimbursed. And I don't know, that may sound... I don't know how that comes across sounding, but when, if if that happens, then various hospital systems, I mean, they have incredible social missions and work hard to keep people well, but they also have to keep the lights on. Um, and so if these kinds of initiatives are reimbursed in a much more substantive or substantial way, that would encourage systems to grow and grow these programs. They could become local incubators for ideas. Oh, we found that in, um, innovation X, Y, or Z works particularly well. Share those themes, get stronger and better. So if I had one thing to change, I would change um, reimbursement. I think that's a great start because it is an initiative for the, a physician to take the time out of their busy day to actually use this material. You know, as, as a family practice doctor, primary care doc, I've had I've run into some walls as far as you know sharing that information with colleagues, and they kind of push back because they are so busy and we're so overwhelmed, and we're short. The primary care doctors are in shortage. Um, do you have any recommendations for those who are you know, either patients or you know other healthcare practitioners to share that information with maybe one of their you know, care providers or physicians that are not aware of the plant-based diet? Was there any, any way that you have found would be very helpful in sharing that message where it's more receptive to them? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, behavior change is kind of like, I think, the holy grail of medicine. We all kind of know what's good for us, but it's hard to get ourselves to change or other people to change. Um, but, you know, when, if I get pushed back from a colleague, um, I, I – I guess I don't know the best way to, to handle it, but a way that I handle it, it is um, uh, you you kind of want it to be the other person's or seem to be the other person's idea. Um, nobody wants to feel like there's something that they're kind of forced to do, whether it is even whether it's right or not. Um, so what I'll do is. You know, I'll say, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be really interested. To, I'm interested to know why you think that way. Oh, that's really – and then they'll explain. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting, you know. Um, I'll tell them a little bit maybe about my experience, and I'll say, look, you know, I found these couple of articles particularly enlightening, and I'd love to see what you think about it. And so I, I'd give them, you know, Esselstyn's um, – the editorial he wrote in the American Journal of Cardiology, I think it was from 2010, but I'm blanking exactly on the year, uh, maybe before that, where it's like, is is bypass surgery the radical mastectomy of the 21st century? And then, um, you know, maybe uh, um, one of, maybe the lifestyle heart study by Ornish or um, uh, a randomized trial by Dr. Barnard, and, and give them two articles about it. And so, you know, I'd love to see uh, what you think and kind of leave it that, at that, talk a little bit about my experience, how it's been really helpful, be interested in what, what they have to say, and give them a couple of objective resources that they can use that are sort of divorced from any potential heated, heated component to the, to the conversation and try to empower them to seemingly make the decision on their own. And then after that would maybe be a little bit more forceful. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what, what I really discovered well with primary care anyway is there's a very large burnout uh, occurring amongst physicians especially those who've been practicing I would say 10 plus years and it's very um, sad to see that a system that's become so administratively burdensome that you know they're just trying to survive and so they're even more pushed against the wall to just write a prescription and get a patient run through because you know they're required to see anywhere from 25 to 35 patients in a day. And it's just, it's not the proper way to take care of patients. We're doing a disservice to them and to ourselves. But what I found, you know, coming out of the military and when I was practicing in a, in a rural setting in rural Colorado, I was also having that same, you know, uh, just kind of just 
disillusioned, kind of like you had mentioned earlier. But when I discovered this plant-based nutrition and how I was also seeing these dramatic results within days, I mean, this is not months, but, you know, weeks to you're seeing people come off insulin and all this crazy stuff. For me, that really reignited. So I can understand your passion. And it's really fun to see those who do embrace it. If they could, you can just get a hint of it and say, you know, there's a way to make people actually heal people. I think that is actually really encouraging for some physicians who are still maybe, you know, not quite all the way burned out that they're heading out the door, but maybe they're just like, maybe there is a piece of hope here that I can latch on to. And I found that that is actually very helpful when sharing patient stories with colleagues and stuff. Um, and it's it's really fun to see uh, other doctors get fired up. It's 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 really it's 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 addicting actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a really great idea and a really Im- important approach. And yeah, I mean uh, physician burnout is a, is a real thing, and to get them re-inspired is 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 wonderful. I mean, you know how it is. You know, you're sitting in a patient's room, you have limited time. You hear them putting the, the next patient in the next room, and you know there's one after that. Uh, so the clock is always going, and uh, you know, like you're saying now, with electronic medical records and various other things, there's a lot of <clears throat> non-patient stuff that you need to do in the same amount of time. Um, so it can be it can be a challenge. Yeah, and I think you know part of the reason I started this podcast was just to I want to interview as many doctors as I can with different messages and health and plant-based diet, of course, but. So patients can understand our side of things and where we're coming from. You know, they think, oh, those doctors, they make a lot of money. They do this and that. They don't understand that between the patients, you know, your your back-to-back appointments, you're finishing the note on a very cumbersome EMR <laughs> many times. And you're also, you're worried about, you know, what did that patient just before I had to tell had cancer or this patient that's coming in is very depressed or the chronic pain patient, which you haven't been able to help. And so there's just so many things rumbling through your head. And then... You know, another, you know, outside of our topic that we're discussing today is, you know, physician suicide. There's 400 physicians who commit suicide annually. And, you know, it's the highest of most professions, I think, outside of dentistry. Um, so it's it's very concerning, and it's 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 uh, something I think we need to stand up as physicians and take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And, and like, you know, we all basically are, I think we all go into it because we want to help people get better. And when you actually do that, like you say, with plant-based nutrition, that's incredibly inspirational. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know docs who go into it to make a lot of money. And, uh, as you know, I'm sure you would echo a similar sentiment. And if that's really your a, a doc's motivation, it's not the right path. I mean, there are lots of other paths for maybe a similar amount of labor where you'd be reimbursed a heck of a lot more. <laughs> um, and, you know, don't don't get me wrong, people certainly want to, uh, to make a living and to be able to feed their family and have a, a home. And so those things are important. Um, but, you know, if, if money is the motivation, uh, being a physician is, I don't think, the, the path for you. And I really don't know docs who, who do that. Yeah, I, I I don't either. Honestly, they we all go in, you know, wanting to take you know to to heal the world and make a big difference, and then we get thrust in a system that um, does not allow us to take care of ourselves and take care of patients very well. And so, I think there's a lot of work to do, but I certainly think this is a great start. And it's you know that that bright star over there in the Bronx is is going to be leading the way. So you know, I always like to end um, each of these podcast with just acknowledging you and for everything that you've done and our guests and so I must say I'm very I was impressed before I'm even more impressed now of the person that you are and all that you're doing and then I say thank you for all your patience and all of us that get to be benefit from what your work that you're doing and I and I want to say thank you for that oh well I mean thank you for your kind words and thank you for the amazing work that you're doing and helping to spread the message so far and wide with with your podcast and taking your time to do that so appreciate that too. I'm just lucky to get to talk to people like you. So thank you again and um, everyone have a great day. Thank you.